0: Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor & Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed.
1: James, welcome to Texas Home Improvement.
2: Uh, how are you doing, Jim? I've called a couple of times about my Barn Dominium project. And two options that we've uh, come across is uh, steel frame. Like a, a, a Mueller and a wood frame steel buildings like Morton. So structurally, which one is superior?
1: You know, I've I built one of my office as a barn uh, and I went with steel frame. And the main reason, when you start looking at wind loads and stuff, they're designed to hand handle better wind loads. Okay.
2: That, 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 that sums it up right there. Yeah, that we're, sums we're, we're, it up,
1: and where you are building, you you need it stout.
2: Okay, now we're doing a thirty foot covered parking area, basically just taking the roof and stretching it out over the driveway. Yep. Uh, is there anything I got to be worried about for wind coming up underneath that and lifting it off?
1: Well, they design them to to be able to uh, take a certain amount of wind. Load on it. Uh, is it going to be foolproof? Absolutely not. But typically, the worst thing that should happen is if some, if if say a tornado hit, it may pull a, the sheet metal panels off of it and stuff. And yes, it can actually could twist the uh, framing and everything as well. But normally, you know, what you're asking about is can the wind blow it apart? Absolutely. But the sheet metal is going to come off before the frame picks up with it.
3: That's right, that sums it up. Thank you much, Jim. Have a good one. You bet.
1: James, take care and enjoy that new place you're building. Gordon, welcome to
3: KTRH. How can I help you today? Uh, Good afternoon, Jim. Uh, I I need your opinion. I'm going to be building a two-story house. I'm going to regular wooden stick studs and uh, composition roofing. But I want to go with metal siding. What do you think about that? Why do you want to go with metal siding? Uh, I I think it'll last longer. The paint lasts longer, faster, easier to put up. I don't know.
1: Well, yeah, there's no question. It's it's, uh, actually fast and easy to put up. Uh, You'll typically get, oh, probably 20 years or even 30 years out of uh, not having to bother painting and stuff like that. Now, there are some downsides. Uh, The metal siding is more likely to develop a leak in it uh, because where the screws go through it, uh, the the fasteners tend to leak over time. So that is one downside to it. Uh, and then the other one is it does transmit a lot of heat through it because it heats up. That can easily be stopped, though, with a radiant barrier. So uh, metal siding actually makes a great siding. And beyond those two things I just talked about, I wouldn't worry about it a bit.
3: Now, I want to go with, instead of going regular vinyl windows, I'm going to go with the industrial-type windows that they open. Just a solid glass with the metal frame. Give me your opinion on that. You know,
1: energy efficiency-wise, you'd be better off to go with the vinyl uh, than you would with the metal window. But both of them are going to do an, a, a great job. Uh, the... <laughs> Are you going to have these metal windows where
3: they open? No, I, I, don't, want them, I don't want them to open. I just want them to stay permanently shut. Okay, uh, one
1: so you're, piece. you're 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 going to go with the picture window type stuff uh, where it's just yes, a sir. frame and the in the plate glass uh, packing it and stuff. Yes, sir. Okay, those that'll work just fine then. Uh, I, I, my office is in a metal building. Uh, one of them, the one I have up in Dallas, and. Yeah, well, actually, my uh, office in Pasadena has that type of windows on it as well, and no issues at all. They do fine.
3: Now, on, on the siding, we can go over OSB. There's no problem with uh, OSB and, and some kind of row insulation, and then go to. There's no problem. They can go over OSB just fine with the uh, metal. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, okay. the, the okay. metal siding, you actually don't have to put the OSB on if you don't want to. Okay. It could, it okay. could be fastened straight to the studs. Uh, now, maybe for the, the advantage, be the, and that's what I was just going to say, the advantage to putting the OSB on is going to be you will build a nice, strong box that will withstand the wind loads and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so that's going to be the, the main reason for the, for the uh, plywood.
3: Why are people why aren't people going with ten foot studs instead of the regular standard studs? There's more heating, more more cooling, more sheetrock, more painting. Why aren't they going with the ten foot walls?
1: They just don't they just like the uh the bigger feel and look. You know, if you go back to houses that were built in the twenties, thirties, forties, they were all nine and ten foot ceilings and the main reason was we didn't have air conditioning and so when the heat would get in it would rise up and we'd had those little windows that you could open and let the heat out. Then we got air conditioning and we did away with all that and brought it down and so people started feeling a little claustrophobic I guess and now we had more money than we knew what to do with so we went back to these ten foot ceilings. With things tightening up we'll probably go back down
3: to eight again. Well, I'm thinking about going with regular pre-cut studs. Do it. Uh, I'm going two stories. Yeah. And uh, price-wise, I think if they'd be cheaper, too. They are. Uh, regular pre-cut studs worth a 10, 10 foot. Oh, yeah.
1: The, the, the pre-cut studs actually is the cheapest 2 by 4 you're going to get.
3: Okay. Okay, I, I really appreciate the conversation, and thank you so much. You bet. Russell, how are you today? Good. How are you doing, sir? Man, I'm doing wonderful. How can I help you? Okay, I got a problem. Um, we took over a house, me and my wife, and because it was a mom's house, and my <laughs> wife grew up in there, and it's got it's got this powder, white powdery stuff growing in the out of the concrete.
1: Yep. How long was the house yeah. empty? Uh, it
3: hasn't been empty.
1: Okay. It really has. And and that's in the living space of the house or just the garage?
3: Uh, everywhere, everywhere the concrete's cracked on the bottom.
1: Okay. Uh, and the reason I'm asking that, what that, what that is, is effervescence. And it's a chemical reaction, moisture getting into the concrete. And, you know, it's, it's not harmful or anything, but typically in air conditioned space, it doesn't normally happen. You, 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 if you turn the air conditioner on, drop the humidity levels down, uh, it should alleviate, if not eliminate it, in the living space. But you'll see it a lot of times in garages, patio-covered rooms, areas like that. But normally in a living space, you don't see it too much unless you got a moisture issue around
3: the house. Gotcha. And so yes, you may have it, to address some drainage. A, we've been at it a long time, but I just never found anybody to answer the question. Yeah. I mean, how to get rid of it. Is yeah. there a way to get rid of it?
1: There, There's two companies who make a product to try to help get rid of it. Uh, one is quickcrete They actually have a product that you can put on concrete that helps to seal it and, and eliminate it. And another one is called Deitch Coatings, and that's D-A-I-C-H coatings.com. Uh, neither one of them will tell you, though, that it's going to eliminate it completely. But right. like I said, normally just dehumidification with the air conditioner will do it. Uh, and if that's not keeping up with it, because it might be missized or something, try putting in just a dehumidifier in the house and see if that doesn't take it out. Okay. Well, we
3: have one problem. Our air conditioner went out.
1: <laughs> ah. <laughs> well, see, that was really? why I, that was why I asked you uh, in the beginning how long's it been empty. Because typically, when a house is empty, the air conditioner's not being run. That's when you'll right. start seeing it in the living space. So. Oh. Uh, But in the meantime, if you want to go to, you know, one of the box stores, or uh, Sears used to carry some really good ones, dehumidifiers cost a couple hundred dollars, and you'll take the humidity levels way down, and that should pretty much do away with it then.
3: Okay. 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 That's what I'm writing down right now. Not a problem. Okay. So... This QuickCrete, where would I be able to find it at?
1: Most of the time, you're going to have to order it because it's not something that they sell a lot of. But any place that sells QuickCrete, I know uh, Home Depot sells QuickCrete. I think Lowe's does as well. Uh, Both of them should be able to order it. Uh, Your hardware stores like Ace Hardware, uh, I don't know, 84 Lumber and Sutherland's probably both could get it for you as well.
3: All right, I got it. Well, thank you very much. I sure appreciate it. You bet. Russell, you have a great weekend. Uh, You too. God bless you, and have a wonderful day. Thank you, sir.
1: Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. New to Texas, what is a good irrigation hose for watering the foundation? The length of the hose is about 60 feet. I'm sorry, the length of the house is about 60 feet Should I use the black soaker hose or the drip brown hose? I did some testing with the black soaker hose, but can't get enough water at 60 feet. Well, here's the trick. Either one will actually work just fine for watering the foundation. But if you use the black soaker hose, you've got to put a pressure regulator on it. At full city pressure, which it ranges anywhere from 45 to 80 PSI you're gonna get a lot of water at the beginning of the hose and hardly anything at the end but if you'll drop that pressure down put a pressure regulator on it drop it down to 15 or 20 PSI it'll balance out where you get an even amount of moisture on the soaker hose I will tell you when my company puts in an irrigation system for a foundation we use that brown drip irrigation hose that you're asking about Because it is a professional grade. So if you've got access and don't mind working with that type of hose, put that in. That also has a pressure regulator, backflow preventer, and all this stuff that you got to use with it. But it'll last a lot longer as well. Buried underground, those black soaker hoses will get you anywhere from 5 to 10 years of usage time. The the, uh, brown drip emitters... I've got some systems that are over 25 years old. In fact, i got one over 30 that we were out to look at not long ago. Everything was still just fine. We had to change out a uh, filter part. That was it, and it just kept keeps on going. So hopefully that will help you out with that uh, system. But, yes, either system works fine. It's regulating the pressure that you've got to watch. George, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you?
0: Hi. Uh, replacing the... A uh, home uh, air conditioner. Yeah. Uh, originally, I'm from Florida. Now we moved up here to DFW. We have uh, heat pumps in Florida. Here, over here, they have a AC and uh, a furnace. So if I'm yes. going to replace it, the question is, do I do uh, a heat pump?
1: That depends. Do you have gas? Yep. If you have gas, go yep. with the furnace. It, it is... It is uh, Actually, less expensive to install, and mm-hmm. it's cheaper to run. If your okay. house is all electric, like my house is all electric, I have heat mm-hmm. pumps in, in my house.
0: Okay. I thought somebody heat pumps were more efficient and less expensive to run.
1: Not not on your pocketbook.
0: Not on your pocketbook.
1: Yep. Okay. The, the natural gas in Texas is, is really cheap.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. All righty, well,
1: thank you very much. You answered our question. Okay, this comes from Leo in Dallas. He's getting his house re-roofed, and he says, "Hello, Jim. My home needs to be re-roofed to include removing old wood shingles and decking over the one by four lath. Which is better choice: three eighths plywood or seven sixteenths OSB?" Ah. <sighs> Well, definitely 3-8 plywood is not even a choice. It's not thick enough. You want to go with a half-inch minimum on either one of them. And so the the 3-8 doesn't meet the, the minimum. And I understand you've got the 1x4s up there, so your spacing is fairly tight. But the reason I don't want to use that 3 eighths when they start nailing any place where they're not hitting the one by fours, that nail's not into a whole lot when it's just into a three eighths plywood. So, I would I would go with either half inch plywood. Now seven sixteenth OSB, eh. you know the the chipboard is pretty common up on the roofs nowadays, and if you want to use it, that's totally fine. They make some that are that are for roofing contractors and everything uh so again though heavier is better so i would take a look at uh doing that one quick note if you use the one that's got the uh radiant barrier on the the bottom side any place where it's touching the one by four the radiant barrier won't do anything because that's a single ply brad how can i help you
0: hey jim um we were thinking while we're all holed up, we might work on a few home improvement projects. One of the things we were thinking about was uh, painting our kitchen cabinets. Is that something that's uh, a do-it-yourself project?
1: Have you painted before?
0: Yes. Then,
1: yes, it it, sh- it should be. And the reason I ask that, uh, if you haven't ever used a brush before or sprayed or rollered, then I'd say, no, that's probably not the place to learn, but... If you've done some painting, uh, you know, the big trick is gonna be are are these a wood finish right now? Yes. So you've gotta degloss it. And they do make deglossers that you can put on it and then wipe it off and you're ready to paint. Make sure you use a good primer sealer on it and then okay. then you can put your finish coat. I still like using oil base on wood like that because it, it uh, takes a beating better than the uh, accolade-type paints they have out now. But uh, okay. you know whether you're going to spray it on or roll it on or brush it, choose one way of doing it and do all the cabinets that way. Uh, because if you start right, mixing I, the... I really want
0: to stay away. I'm sorry. I didn't well, mean to over, well,
1: over-talk you. You, you don't want to mix the different methods, because brush strokes will show... Uh, compared to a roller, which will leave a little bit of a texture, like uh, spraying gives you the smoothest finish. So it's really going to depend on how you want to do them.
0: Yeah, we were probably not going to spray. It would either be a roller or a brush. Is there is there one type of a roller or a brush that gives us you know as few streaks or texture as possible?
1: Uh, go with a go with a brush, uh, and then. Y- you can look at when you go to the brush store or go to the paint store. Look at the brushes that are made for oil-based paint, and that will give you the smoothest finish on it.
0: Okay. All right. And they any, they actually
1: they actually are labeled they actually are labeled separate from the uh, water-based type paints.
0: Okay. All right. Um, that that is helpful. We appreciate it.
1: Now one one other thing, I, I will tell you. Uh, you know, since you're are these pretty flat cabinets, or do they have texture to you know trim pieces and stuff?
0: They have got trim pieces. They're they're uh, I don't know what do you call it when they're um, they're not flat. Yeah. Okay, sort of got,
1: got recesses into it and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Pick a brush that you like. I typically like to paint with like a two uh, on cabinets like that a two and a half inch brush. Uh, okay. and, and usually I'll use one that's got an angle to it, and it just gives me the ability to hit all the inside notches and stuff, plus a nice finish on the, the flat, smooth areas.
0: Okay, yeah. And and you think an oil-based paint uh, yep. brushed on, make sure we prime it first. Yep. Got it. All right. All right. And and just use, using the deglosser is is enough. Is sanding's not required, you don't think?
1: Only if you got rough areas that need to be, you know, smoothed out.
0: Okay. Do you have now, a good deglosser you like?
1: Uh yeah, Peso. P A S S O.
0: Okay. All right. That's helpful. We appreciate it. All right. Sounds good.
1: Have a good good time with that. <laughs> yeah, we will. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> Hello, Chris. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call. You bet.
2: I um, recently purchased my first home, and um, I'm looking at a two-story brick uh, property. And on one of the sides where the brick goes all the way up, there's kind of a, there's a seam. And I'm sure there was some type of concrete-filled mortar that went all the way up there but it's cracked and then it's fallen out and i know there's all sorts of uh um different material that you could use but it'd be my first home first time dealing with brick what should i be putting in there and then i have one other quick question uh i have vinyl on the second story portion uh-huh. on each side of the house and i'm not sure if i want to change it out to Hardy board or smart board, or just keep the vinyl. What do you think about that?
1: Okay, let's start with the crack. So it's a nice straight line, right? One that was obviously put in when it was built. So that's an expansion joint. And that's so that building materials can expand and contract without popping a crack somewhere else. Is it nice and even all the way up? Yeah, it's not um,
2: leaning one way or another. Okay. the mortar inside is falling out and cracked out.
1: No problem. So what you it, it should have had an expansive type material in there, and what you want to do is put in a what's called a backer rod, and it's just a, a round rope made out of foam, and you push that in there to seal it up, and give you something to put the expansive material against, so that you're not filling this three inch deep crack. That way, you're only having to fill oh. like a half inch of it. Uh-huh. and they make a regular expansion joint material for doing the brick cracks that way. Big Stretch okay. is a brand that I like because it's got a lot of elasticity to it. You can put it in there, and it'll hold up for years.
2: What was the name of it?
1: Big Stretch. Big Stretch, okay. And you're not going to find it at the box stores, but uh, you can Google it and and uh, find a place to to get it.
2: And apply it with like a caulking gun over the yep. uh, backing rod.
1: Yeah, okay. really, it's real easy to do. Now, the whole trick on on doing this though is to make sure when you put it in, you get it nice and smooth. So you'll end up using your fingers or you know something to give it a nice, clean finished look. Because keep yeah. in mind, however you put it in, is the way it's going to stay looking from that day forward. Okay. So yeah, on the I can definitely do that. On the siding, you know, I'm not a fan of vinyl siding. However, if it's already on and it's still in good shape, I would leave it alone until such time that it starts being a problem. Then I would take it off and put hardy siding on.
3: Okay. All right. But as long as it's
1: up there and looking good, there's not a reason to take it off.
2: Yeah, no, it looks great. It's just I'm concerned because they're on the uh, northwest side uh-huh. and the southeast side of my building in the, my my building, my home. And those are where the storms are coming. I've never yeah. seen a storm straight from the south or straight from the north. They're hitting it on the side of my house. And I'm concerned that, you know, with the vinyl being, you know, vinyl is it gonna is it last. And it's the original vinyl there built in 02. So and it looks fine. The seams are not coming apart. I just Wondering if, you know, it would be worth it just go go and swap it out. But.
1: Eh, I wouldn't yet. I mean, it's still got probably a lot of good life into it. So until you All start right. seeing it flapping in the wind a little bit or something like that, okay. I, I wouldn't lose okay. any sleep over it.
2: Well, perfect. Well, thanks for taking my call. i definitely look into the uh, backer rod and the big stretch material so I can get these cracks filled. Awesome. All Thank right. Thank you.
1: Take care, Chris. Well, you're going to be last call of this hour. Now, I do have another hour to go in Dallas, but Bill, you'll be the last one for this hour. How can I help you? Hey, Jim. I, I'm a home inspector,
2: been in business for a pretty good while, and I've seen a phenomenon where I see, it's not like I see it every day, but just proportionately, I see more houses with excessive foundation movements on, on corner lots. Have you ever yep. noticed that, or do you have any reason for that?
1: Oh, I can tell you exactly why it happens because yes you're you're 100% correct. Uh what happens is when they dig the roads, the dirt from the roads, you know, cuz roads are typically lower than the lots, is piled up on the properties. And the corner lots have dirt from roads on two sides of them. So they have an extra amount of dirt thrown up there. Hence that foundation moves quicker. And then typically instead of having just two trees in the front, they end up with three trees around the house. And so it, the, the trees draw the moisture quicker. But it's, it's typically the dirt, though, that they throw up on the lot that causes the, the uh, more movement on the corner lots.
0: You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.